Hello, I am Dr. Rosina Bakari, your favorite empowerment expert, and this is the Healing Challenge 2022. Yes, she is here. My favorite co-host, Dr. Stephanie Singleton. How are you today? I am great, Dr. Bakari. How are you? I am fantabulous. You see, I have my little... uh, uh, background because it is September and you all know what is getting ready to do. It is changing season. So I love that because the healing challenge is all about changing. So what are we going to talk about today? Ooh, we are going to talk about how to get off the relationship roller coaster. Yes. Ooh, I know a lot of people been waiting for this one. So everybody share the link. And uh, we're just going to pop right into it because this one, this is just so juicy. I love it. So the first question that I'm going to ask is, what is the relationship roller coaster? What do you mean by this? What does it look like? Okay, so I know that some of us love the roller coaster. Surely when I was a little girl, that was one of my favorite rides. It's fun to feel that little swirly thing in your stomach and go, ah! and scream and know that you're going to be okay because this ride is going to stop soon. That is great at the carnival. Not so good for relationships. That is not the ride you want to be on in a relationship. Relationship, you want to be smooth sailing, more like sailing down a Nile, not a roller coaster. So when we talk about the roller coaster, we, uh, we can describe it maybe in like the internal relationship roller coaster where you're in a relationship and the external roller coaster where you're constantly in and out of relationships. And so uh, maybe that'll help us clarify. So when you're outside of relationships, a couple of things happen. One, it's the, everybody's familiar with the break up to make up, right? It's the break up to make up. You're in and out of that relationship, right? It doesn't feel good when you're in it. It doesn't feel good when you're out of it. So that's one pattern because there are several. The other outside the relationship is when relationships, you have a pattern of relationships that end unsuspectedly. Like you, you always have these relationships. They seem great. You're really into the person, but they end. And it doesn't matter if it's a girlfriend or guy friend. Doesn't matter if it's somebody you're just trying to get to know, you know, because you, you see this a lot in friendship patterns as well. You're hanging out with these people. You think you're part of the group, but all of a sudden you're not invited to the next dinner, right? So it's a relationship roller coaster and you don't know why. That's the key to it being a relationship roller coaster. You can't fix it because you can't predict it, right? So those are two external, I'll say, roller coaster rides. But we also have roller coaster rides when we're in relationships, right? So one uh, is that no relationship can satisfy you. Like you're in this relationship, but it ne- you stay in relationships, but you're never satisfied in that relationship, right? And so then maybe you get out anyway, because you're not satisfied. No relationship satisfies you. And so it's not that it's always something, no one's cheating, no one's mistreating you, but there's just discontent. And then the other one is when you are in the relationship and there's constant conflict, but this is how the relationship exists. 
You don't leave, they don't leave. You stay in these relationships for years at a time or you've been in one relationship for decades, but there is always conflict in that relationship. But you think that this is how the relationship is supposed to be because it's the only way you have ever existed in a relationship. So you're not unhappy. You just don't know that you shouldn't have constant conflict in relationships. So that's what we mean by the relationship roller coaster. So when we say get off the relationship roller coaster, it's about how can you come to form relationships with people, whether it's with your, your significant other, the people on your job, your children, that smooth sailing that doesn't um, get infiltrated with conflict on a daily basis, or you don't have this one ongoing thing for years and years and years, you've been taught having the same conflict for the last decade with this person, right? So how do we smooth sail our relationship so that the people involved, you and this other person are at your best as a result of being in the relationship, not at your stress as a result of being in the relationship? Oh man, that that's that's a liner right there, right? It's better to be at your best in a relationship than to be stressed in a relationship. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That that that's one right down for sure. Um, so having said that, I'm thinking about what you've written on page 168 in regard to unhealthy relationships. So um, would you care to read that to us, please? Yes, I will read a little piece of it. I'll read the second paragraph because we got a lot to talk about today. Indeed. All right, page 168. Unhealthy relationships require one or both partners to live small. Unhealthy attachment is signified by insecurity and uncertainty in relationships. There is a desire for constant affirmation. While you may get plenty of it in the beginning, Relationships settle, and instead of trust and safety forming, fear of abandonment grows. So that's what I have to say on that page. Wow, that that is really a lot to take in because you know we do see these pat you know there's some other patterns we do see these patterns quite often. So having said that. Can you talk about what are, say, the top three mistakes that people make when they're seeking or starting relationships? Sure. Yeah, that's kind of easy to do because I think they're ones that we all can identify with. Of course, there's a, 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 a lot of mistakes that people make in relationships, but these three, I think most people will easily identify with. One, and this one is becoming more and more popular uh, with each generation that we see now, right? And that's predefining a relationship. And I used to say to my friends all the time, don't get divorced before you're married, right? And by that, I mean, <clears throat> we make our wannabes so specific that when a person shows up, what we're doing is having a relationship and evaluating our list, instead of evaluating the person. 
There's a big difference in giving a person a chance to show you who they are and giving a person a chance to qualify your list. That's not the same thing, right? And so there's a lot of problems that can come with that. One, we see people get bamboozled because people know what's on your list. And so why do people know what's on your list? Because we keep giving people the same list, him list, good job, nice car, opens the door, treats you like a lady. Everybody has that same list, but everybody is not looking for the same guy. But we all have the same list. That's a problem. Her list. We want someone who's beautiful. We want someone we can take home to mama and be proud. And it's nice if she's smart. Ooh, and if she got that good body, that's all great. Everybody wants the same list, but everybody does. Everybody has the same list, but everybody does not want the same lady, but you have the same list, right? And so then we have this list so narrowly defined about who we think we are looking for that when the person shows up, we don't hear them or see them. All we see is our list and how well they're stacking up. So that's what I think is one really common problem. We don't get to know the person according to who they are. We only, we only know what we, what we want that person to bring into our lives. But the truth may be that person may bring stuff into your life that you haven't even heard of or dreamed of. Right, you're looking for someone who wants to be at the gym every day because that's your favorite thing. You may not know how much you really enjoy traveling or you really enjoy hiking or something else that's not in your repertoire. But this person will never introduce you to that because they seem boring to you or you don't talk about the same things or all that because you're not trying to see them. You're only trying to see how they measure up to your list. So that's what I think is the is um, one of the big ones. And then the second one is no boundaries at all. Whew, this is a this is a series in and of itself, no boundaries, right? When you don't yeah, have boundaries. Yeah. When you don't have boundaries, when you are not self-protective, it's gonna be difficult for someone else to create boundaries for you. This is so important. People, we, we show people how to treat us. And it's so important to establish boundaries with people so that they know that in this relationship, you will continue to be a whole human being. You're not entering a relationship to become part of someone else. That's so important. You are part of a relationship, yes, but you are not part of someone else. When we let go of all of our boundaries to have someone in our life, then we're trying to become part of them. I'm part of you. No, you're not part of that person. You're, only, you're just part of a relationship. And we get that confused and we give up too much with the belief that whatever I give up, you must also give up. And that rarely happens. In comes the conflict. In comes that you're not making me happy. I'm not giving what I need to, getting what I need to out of the relationship. Sometimes it's not that the one person is given too little, it's that you have given too much and too soon. So that's another common one. And the third one I think is super important. 
And that's it. We specify one type of relationship over the others. And what I mean by that is that when you talk to hear people talk about relationships, people are constantly talking about their desire to have love in their lives. And when they talk about having love in their lives, they're talking about finding someone who want to be in a mating or dating a mating relationship with them. And that's what we're always pressing and always pushing on one another in our society. That can be so problematic because there are so many types of love relationships. We are people who are trying to love on a mate who haven't learned how to love on their child yet. They're busy trying to find someone to love and their children are saying, huh, hello, I'm here, <laughs> right? They're raising their children while trying to find love somewhere else. It's possible that you can find some fulfilling love in all of your relationships. When I talk to women and we're in these circles, I never hear people complain about not having enough female friends. Sometimes that comes up, but it's like, I'm looking for a man. Uh, and now the phrase is, I'm preparing my life for a man. I'm calling a man into my, I mean, I'm like, okay, how many female, how many women friends do you have? Maybe you should get some of those while you're having this wish list. Those relationships are equally important. They are equally important and tend to last longer, right? And so, yes, we all need love in our lives, but we need a variety of love, not just one type of love. So what happens if we are only looking for one type of love, that means that we're looking for this one type of love to fulfill all of our love needs. And that's a big mistake because it doesn't happen. It does not happen. And so it puts, when you try to make one person fulfill all of your love needs, that puts a lot of pressure on a relationship, a lot of pressure. That's when you're mad because they don't like the same movies as you like. Yeah, because you don't have girlfriends, remember? That's when you're mad because you don't ever get to do what you want, right? That's what you have children for. You can drag them to the mall because they don't have a choice. Like, come on, babe, let's go to the mall, right? Drag them with you places. They happy to go, right? They're not going to argue about what restaurant you eat at. They just happy you taking them out, right? When you, when you put a variety of relationships at the center of your life, it takes so much pressure off of trying to get all of your needs met by one person. So those are what I think are the three uh, most common mistakes. They're not the only, and for some, those mistakes may be bigger than others, but the, I would say they're the most common mistakes that people make when starting relationships. And those, they de those definitely foster unhealthy relationships for sure. You know, and I, I want to go back to something that you said earlier about that in terms of, you know, just narrowly, too narrowly defining. You know, we have that list, but that's what we're told, right? That's what we're told. It's like, you know, you have to get a list of what you want. And I get it on a certain level because it's, Okay, you want to be really clear about what it is that you want, but I think it's kind of gotten from that and just this way to just really kind of compartmentalize, you know, people. And that's that that's unheard of. I mean, you can't do that to a human being. I mean, we're more than, you know, some list that anybody has. 
Um, so there's that. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to just say about that because that's the that's been a big thing for a few years running now. Make that mm -hmm. list. Oh, we have books yeah. about it, movies about it, right? <laughs> We're trying right. to capture a thing. So, you know, I mean, we could say the same thing about a lot of things in life. If we really think about it, the same thing happens when you decide what kind of job you want. And it's the only job you can have or you decide it's the only place in the world that you can live. Like one of the things we know make for uh, quality well-being is mental flexibility. That's huge. And whenever you have an area of your life where mental flexibility is absent, it's not usually gonna bring you happiness or quality. It's great to have these ideas about what makes us happy, it's important, but it's also hugely important that we have mental flexibility, that we're open to receiving what life brings us and we can look at it objectively as well as measure it against what our typical desires are. And then the other thing that you mentioned about looking for people to fulfill us, you know, and the, the popular phrase used to be, oh, you know, I'm looking for somebody to complete me. And it's like, oh my God, if you hear that brunt, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's not gonna end up very well. Um, and I think there's a lot of pressure on women to like, to get that man, like no matter how successful a woman is in her career, in her family life. And it's like, well, there's something that's not quite right or something that diminishes her if she doesn't have a man. So I, I think that also contributes to it. So, so many women feel so pressured. I think more so than men, uh, I could be wrong about that, but um, there's just a lot of pressure on women to, hold up to some type of social ideal or whatever. I don't know. Can you speak to that a little bit? Sure. Well, I, one, I think that that pressure is lessening. So I certainly hope so. And I, and I think there's some, some indications that it's lessening, but it, but you're right. I mean, we live in a, in a patriarch society. And so it's been that way for a long time. What won't change, I think, is understanding that like you said, for men who stay single well into their 40s, they are always a catch. Like the longer men stay single, the more women they'll they'll keep like they'll they'll they can always walk out their house and somebody's looking for them, right? And so I think that changes though for women, the higher up in, that they go in their careers and the more money they make, they lessen their chances of marriage instead of increasing their chances of choosing someone. So it gets a little bit complicated. Part of that, so, you know, things never come along evenly, like one thing changes another and, and it throws everything off balance. So part of that, and this is the piece of the discussion that we as women even don't like to discuss, right? Like we want all these rights and we want to be equal. But if a man says, hey, I'll marry you and you have the baby because I can't have the baby. But when you have the baby, I'll stay home because I'm really good in the kitchen. And I don't mind being a stay-at-home dad. 
when if a man proposes that, what are we going to tell our women friends? Honey, oh no, what? Right? And so we haven't caught up, right? Like we we haven't we're not there yet. And so these are some difficult complex conversations to have. Is it because for years men have taken care of women, right? Um, and, 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 uh, have benefited women in terms of allowing them to stay home with children and choose their career and blah, 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 blah. And no one, no one complained about that. We said, that's the way it's supposed to be. But now that women are making all this money, we still haven't yet. And I shouldn't say making all this money as if we're equal, cause we're not, I don't mean to, to suggest that at all. We have a long way to go, but because we have more accessibility, we have not given men the degree of choices that we've taken. So as we've come more into the area of, of well-paying careers, we have not given men the luxury of living off a woman. We, that is still very frowned upon, no matter how great he cooks, no matter how much laundry he picks up, no matter how many children he stays home, like he's slime if he does not work. Right. And so we have, so there's a lot of things that we still have to grapple with in this relationship thing about this list. Right. Like, because I think there are some women who could be happy knowing that her children are safe while she climbs the career ladder, except she would never be able to deal with the pressure of having a man who doesn't make more money than she does. All right, so there's some stuff that still have to be worked out in relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and uh, that part about again, you know, for being fulfilled. I know you. Um, you always say the your first relationship, the most important relationship, is the relationship you have with yourself. Yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Right, because that's going to, that the relationship that we have with ourselves is always the vision of what we see in those other relationships. So when I see myself as in danger of being abandoned, because I that's in, in my background or my history or whatever, if I see myself in danger of being abandoned, then I'm going to, I'm going to interpret actions very differently than if I see myself really being fully lovable and loved. But if I don't feel lovable and loved within me, me believing that someone else is giving this to me is going to be a hard sell for them and for me. Right? Mm -hmm. So I'm interpreting your actions really based on what my understanding and acceptance is of me. Huh. Huh. So speaking of speaking of that, there's this real popular phrase, right? When people break up, which is, you know, well, it's not you, it's me, right? <laughs> how do you, but how do you know if it really was you? <laughs> well, I say when it's time to go, just pack your stuff and leave. Don't even worry about who it was, <laughs> right? Um, the, again, on, especially on this healing journey, we're, we should always be doing some level of introspection and paying attention to the patterns that we have in our lives. And so one, it, again, back to the uh, earlier conversation, if you're constantly being 
abandoned, I'll say, uh, by people and you don't, and you in relationship that you think are, well, they're, they're great. Like you don't know, like, for example, it could be one of those, those ideas where um, there's a lot of conflict and you don't realize that the degree of conflict that you have in relationships is beyond normal because that's all you've ever had. But most people don't want that much conflict in their relationships. So you're like, what, what's wrong? What? <laughs> right. Right. Like, but I love you. That's your communication style, right? So, so if you see this constant pattern of thing, relationships ending, you're not really clear about why they're ending, then of course you should be looking at yourself. But generally speaking, be careful when, by trying to decide why a relationship ended and believing that you're going to carry that into the next relationship and it's going to be perfect because you're not going to do that thing. Right. And so I would say it's more important for you to understand and evaluate for yourself, not based on what that other person says to you. So you do want to do some evaluation. You want to chat about it, maybe uh, talk to your friends about it, see what they say. Sometimes it depends on who your friends are, you know, maybe seek some counseling if it's a pattern for you, but you don't necessarily want to take the word of someone who has decided there's something better for them, right? And so take it with a grain of salt, but pay attention to your patterns. Even when relationships are going well, pay attention to the patterns. So that brings us to our final question, which is, Give us three, um, just three examples of what is a healthy relationship. How do we develop healthy relationships? So healthy relationships, one, have low conflict. People know how to resolve conflict. And this is important because sometimes people think that healthy relationships means you don't have conflict. No, you have conflict, but you know how to resolve conflict without hurting one another. That is huge. So, and I joke with my friends when they tell me that they have met somebody and I, and I always say, did you fight yet? No, it's great. We never fight. I said, well, you pick a fight with them on your next date. Just pick a fight, anybody, anything. Cause you want to know how this person fights, right? Cause you don't want to be finding out on your wedding day, how they fight, right? So how does this person resolve conflicts, right? They may be the greatest person in the world, but if it's like they're great until they get angry, do you want that until they get angry part? Do you want that until they're drinking part? Right. And so people are, people are, people are complex. They're going to do things that make us happy. They're going to do things that don't make us happy. Right. What's important is that we, we know how to make me happy right? That you can make yourself happy. So this is not about, I need you to make me happy. You are happy when that person shows up, right? And so you want to know that when things are not going so smoothly, that you can smooth it over and get back to that smooth sailing without name calling. I'm, I can't believe how many people call names in relationships. Like that's, that's, uh, anyway, that's, that's a, that could be a deal breaker, right? But if you're in a relationship where people can't have, have discussions without being angry enough to call names 
or want to hurt you. When I hurt you in unintentionally, you intentionally hurt me. Uh, that could be, that should be a deal breaker. Whenever you're in a relationship with someone who intentionally seeks to harm you, that should be a deal breaker, right? So one, so, but we're talking about healthy relationships. Healthy relationships, people know how to resolve conflict without creating further harm. That's one. Two, if you are unhappy, it's probably not a good time to start a relationship or at least know when you are unhappy, you are entering a relationship in a vulnerable state. And what you see may not be what you want because you're responding to something less than happiness. So if you're unhappy, what you are responding to is unhappiness through this relationship with this person. And so when you get too happy, this may not last. Okay. And so what creates a healthy relationship is when two happy people come together, it's easier to create a happy relationship to the degree that one or both of those people are not happy. It creates a strain on a relationship. And that's not to say that people don't have problems. I'm not talking about problems. I'm not talking about you need to be perfect. I'm saying, are you generally a happy person? Or are you really miserable walking around looking for someone to share your misery? Right. So look, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot, I mean, be serious. Some people are, right? Yeah. Um, true. And so, so that's the other thing. The other, the other uh, thing that I think makes for a healthy relationship is when two people are able to have com a common goal. Maybe it's not five common goals, but a common goal. It's not about how much the people think it's about how much time you spend with the, with each other. That's uh, can we just address that for one minute? Because that's another thing that people say. You don't spend time. He doesn't spend time. She doesn't spend time. Yeah. People who like their lives are already spending time liking their lives. It is true. When people are successful, you have to fit into their life. And so it's interesting because some of the things that we say we want actually are in contradiction. I want a man who has a good job, but he spends time with me. Men who have good jobs work a lot, <laughs> a lot. But you want, you know, you want a good job, a good man, and spend time together. That may not be the case. Where, where are you willing to compromise? So is quality maybe not over quantity, but if I have issues, then I need quantity, right? Even if it's not quality. So for many people, they decide I need quantity and I will make you spend four hours arguing with me because that's quantity. Then I'll take four hours in conflict rather than 30 minutes really deeply connecting to one another because quantity is more important than quality. Right. So stuff like that. Anyway, I got off on that. And so, so, so that thing about really making sure that, that people are healthy. I forgot where I was. I lost track. I got, whoop, got on that time thing. What did I say? Was? <laughs> and you were talking about the good, a happy relationship is when two happy people yes. come together. 
Right. Right. So, right. So, so, so people have to be happy when they come together to the degree, to the degree that they're not, they will, they will bring that unhappiness in that relationship. And then the other thing was some, you know, um, how people spend time together and getting rid of the myth that uh, in order to have a great relationship, you have to spend a lot of time together. Great relationships between relationship, relationships between people, often people who are the happiest spend the least amount of time together. And here's why. Maybe this is counterintuitive because when I'm happy, I'm not afraid of you being gone all day. Because I'm going to be gone doing the things that I want and need to do all day. So when two people are doing the things that they love to do all, all day or all week, they're okay when they finally get that little bit of time, slither of time together at the end of the night or at the end of the week. Because when they come together, they are coming together in joy and fulfillment and they share that with one another. But if I think you're happy while I'm just home being unhappy, I'm waiting on you to bring me my happiness. Mm. So that's why I say be happy so that you bring joy to one another. Don't wait for one another to bring you joy. You know, I would say that is a, a, a lot of, problems in a lot of relationships is because people are dependent on that other person to be what they think they need. They're waiting on that other person to make them feel whole or give them purpose or whatever it is, or they looking for another mother or they looking for another father. You know, all of these other type of things that people are not really looking for partners. They're looking for another piece of themselves, it seems like, you know, from what I hear you saying. And it's like, well, do that work. You need to really work on yourself and, and bring your happiness yourself, you know, enjoy with yourself. And then you can really go out there and have some healthy relationships because then you're open and you're not dependent upon somebody else doing that for you. And then it seems like if you're not dependent on somebody else for you, you're not going to attract somebody. That's who, right. Right, right, right. And, and that's why having those other relationships is so important. But if you have only learned, if people have only taught you how to chase a significant other, right, mm -hmm. you, don't, you now don't have those girlfriends to call when you're bored or lonely or tired or want to hang out because you have only learned how to develop one type of relationship. And that can be so problematic. And that's why this, and we've said this for a long time, but people haven't uh, heeded this advice that when you are in these relationships, do not leave your friendships behind. Do not oh, leave them behind. It's the same commitment that it takes to finding a quality mate is the same commitment it takes to finding quality friendships. So this whole idea about, oh, you shouldn't talk to your friend about your relationship. If you cannot talk to your best friend about your relationship, you probably should get a different best friend. Because if you can't talk to your, your partner about your best friend, you probably should get a different partner, right? I mean, you what this is what I'm saying. You have to work on all of your relationships 
not just one specific type of relationship, right? How you relate to your best friends is going to influence how you relate to your partner and, and vice versa. All of these relationships are significant. We shouldn't say significant. This is my significant other. All of your others are significant. They're all significant. All of those relationships are significant. We have children, like I said, who don't feel significant because their parents have a significant other, right? Your child is your significant other, right? People that you work with are significant others for eight hours a day, they're significant. And so I think if we maybe alter the way that we put pressure on this relationship that we have with our life partners, then that can begin to shift how we see each other and allow us to continue to develop ourselves more importantly than how we're trying to develop relationships. Relationships really are about self-development, not trying to make relationships work, but by trying to make ourselves work in relationships. I'm so glad that you touched on that whole thing about, you know, don't pull back from your other relationships when you're in, uh, you know, an intimate relationship with somebody, because a lot of people do that, you yep. know, and then it's just about that person they're with, and then they don't call their friends, they don't hang out anymore, you know, it's all of this kind of just cut off type of thing, and I'm just so glad, I'm just so glad that you hit on that. Yeah, and men and men and women do that. Men men and women do that, you know. And uh, and it doesn't make for the healthiest human beings. Even if that relationship is healthy, it doesn't necessarily make for the healthiest human beings because relationships do change. Sometimes bad things happen and uh, unfortunate things happen. You're you don't know how long you will have your mate, and if you don't, and if you and if your entire existence is built around this person, then it becomes really difficult. So, yeah. Well, Dr. Bakari, this has been powerful. I mean, all our sessions are powerful, but this, I think this really resonates with a whole lot of people out there now ordering us. So that we are so grateful for and thank you for joining us. Dr. Bakari, it is always a pleasure. It is always enlightening. Do you have any words you want to give us before we depart here today? Just that every relationship is a relationship with yourself. So uh, always, whenever things go wrong in relationships, uh, for you to believe that it's always you. And I don't mean it's always you as in you are a problem, but it's always you in that you get to pick up the pieces. You get to work toward being a better you that is not contingent on whether or not a relationship succeeds or fails. Like always work on you because every relationship is a relationship with yourself. Mm. Well, thank you so much. And thank you everyone for joining us. We will see you next month in October with another great session. Thank you so much, Dr. Bakari. It is always a pleasure. Share this link, go through the replay. There was a lot of nuggets here, you know, to really pick apart. 
And we will see you next month in October. Take care. Good to see you as always. Bye-bye.